This is the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. We hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. As you realize your potential, you will join a dynamic group of passionate people who are actively bringing the unstoppable power of heaven into the darkest places on earth. Here is your host, Justin Self. Hello and welcome. This is Justin Self. Today we are going to continue a series that I started last time on spirit, soul, and body. This is part of our Physics of Faith series where I'm going through um, from a you know physics-minded, aer- aeronautical engineering-minded space. I'm coming into a lot of these truths in the Bible, and I'm, I'm trying to break it down and just share with you some of the things that I've learned and the way that my brain thinks about things, and just kind of demystifying you know certain things that are in the Scripture. And we've been talking about spirit, soul, and body, which basically, you know, we talked about how you know the Bible actually says specifically, and there's there's a verse I used last time, First Thessalonians five twenty three. It says, "Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." And last time we talked about how uh, multiple you know instances in the Bible where we, where we see this, but I just wanted to point out to you this one scripture that very clearly says that we have three parts to us as human beings. And it's interesting, you'll see this actually in other cultures and other, in fact, pagan practices. You know, people have figured this thing out even through the demonic realms. They've discovered that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And so this is nothing new, but it was new to me. And as I shared in the last episode, this is something that God showed me from the scripture, of course, it was during the beginning stages of my my walk with the Lord, really, with fire and passion, you know, after really having, like I talked about, this genosco or genosco moment with him of experiential encounter. And so it was awesome. And so I'm, I've been learning these things and I've been walking in these things for 10 years. But what I really want to show you is how the spirit, soul, and body concept can be applied very practically today. So we started out talking last time quite a bit about how you can check the state of your body, right? You can look in the mirror, you can see what your body looks like, you can look down at your hands or, you know, whatever. You can tell how your body is feeling, right? Just by kind of checking it. In the same way, you can check your soul. You can see how you're feeling, what your mood is like, you know, how, how your emotions are doing and those types of things. Remember, the, the body is obviously the, the physical part of you. The soul is the part of you that has your mind, your will, your emotions, and, and also your personality and those types of things. But your spirit, right? What's that about? What's the spirit about? Now, the question is, can you check on your spirit in the same way that you can check on your body or your soul? And the answer is no. You can't just take an inventory of your spirit and see what's going on at the spirit level just using the same tactics you know you can by just kind of taking a quick inventory on your body or your soul. The reason why is because the spirit is just so deep. It's the deepest part of you. It is your identity. And it has to be accessed through something deeper. And last time we talked about how in the book of James chapter 1, he talks about the perfect law of liberty, the Bible, the word of God, is the mirror that you look into to see what your spirit looks like. And so if I want to see how my spirit looks, if I want to see how God sees me, and if I want to see who I am at the deepest level, I don't just go by what I see, taste, hear, smell, or feel, right? Through my senses. I don't go by how I'm emotionally feeling, you know, I'm up today, I'm down tomorrow. Oh, my, my spirit must be up and down. No, that's, that's, again, that's in your soulish or your emotional realm. And so really what I'm unpacking here is this idea of the spirit. If you want to see who you are at the deepest level, you've got to go to the scripture. You've got to go to the word of God. And I think that's where a lot of Christians are missing it. 
And hey, I, I love you. If you're a Christian and you're listening to it to this, hey, thank you for listening. I'm so glad you are. You're here, you're listening, and you're taking the time to develop, you know, your spirit. But I want to encourage you. Are you are you the kind of person where you're you're up and down and you're left and right and you're not really sure where you are with God one day and, and you know, another day you think God's angry and another day you think God's in a good mood and and all this stuff. Like are you is it a roller coaster for you? If it is, I would ask you, where are you getting your information? Are you getting your information from the spirit realm or from the soul and body realm? Because if I just took my information of my life on the soul and body realm, I'd be an absolute disaster most of the time. Man, I got pressures coming on me. I got things I'm dealing with. I got stressors. I got things I'm thinking about that are stressing me out, you know, or could stress me out. But I've chosen and I continue to choose to live my life based on the spirit. And that means that I look into the word of God and I see what God says about me. And that's who I say that I am. That's how I begin to you know, shape my life off is who God says that I am. And in in this type of mindset, you become solid, you become immovable, you become completely unshaken when things are crashing all around you because you're looking at yourself the way that God looks at you and God never changes and God's thoughts towards us are only good. And so you begin to see yourself the way God sees you and suddenly your identity is just going to shoot through the roof and you're going to say, hey, God loves me. So when this other person over here says they don't love me or I get, you know, I get flack from this person over here or that person over there or whatever, you know, it doesn't move you. Not that you're insensitive to people, but it's because you have a deeper level of revelation on who you are as a person. So again, this is all just an intro to kind of go off what we talked about last time. If you haven't heard the episode, I do encourage you to go back and listen to it. This is a continuation. So I'm assuming you've already listened to that. Before I get into this, I do want to um, to make a mention of this. My wife reminded me of this the other day. Hey, please leave a review for the podcast if you haven't already. That would be super, super helpful. I'm not asking for five stars, you know, if that's not how you feel. Listen, I'm asking for an honest review. If you just took a few minutes and did an honest review, that would be super helpful. I would really appreciate that. We would appreciate it. Our family and, of course, Eric and his family, you know, and people that are working on the podcast. It helps the algorithm, you know, and, and it helps more people hear what we're saying here and I hope you want to partner with us on this and, you know, get the word of God out to people, get the teaching out to people who need it the most. And I'm just, again, I'm so thankful for our partners. You know, there are people who financially partner with us, so money into this work, and we're able to, of course, keep the podcast going with the costs associated with that. But we're also doing a lot of missions work, specifically in Kenya right now. You can learn more about that on other podcasts. Of course, I'm sharing about that, but on the website as well. So, hey, thank you for being a partner. If you're not a partner, sign up, go for it. Please join us on the mission and we'd love to have you part and we'll send you updates on all that stuff. So wanted to say that before before we get too far into this because you know that I, I get to talking and here we go. And so the other thing that we talked about last time was this concept of we're not sinners saved by grace. And I know that that is a really popular thing to say in Christian circles and churches and we hear, you know, I hear pastors say it all the time. And while I agree that that, you know, it's a nice thing to say, it sounds like we're being humble, technically, if you want to be technical about it, we actually aren't sinners anymore. We were sinners, but then we're saved by grace. And this is a concept that if you understand spirit, soul, and body, you understand that in the spirit realm, when you were born again, your spirit was made brand new, never before seen on the earth before, you know, fresh, brand new creation. And we talked about that last time quite a bit and the Greek word behind it, kainos. This idea of a perfect spirit will change everything for you. For instance, if you honestly believe that at the core level, you're still a sinner, like if like an alcoholic, right? You take an alcoholic who goes to an Alcoholics Anonymous or something and and you say all the stuff, you go through all the steps and which is awesome. I'm, I'm not knocking that at all. I, I've seen some amazing stories and people come out of that. But the problem that I have with that is that people come out of it 
believing that they're still an alcoholic and that they're just one drink away from becoming an alcoholic. While I agree that that mindset helps, you know, keep people on the straight and straight and true helps, you know, kind of scare them away from, from taking another drink. The problem is, is that at the identity level, somebody really believes that they're actually an alcoholic. Like I am an alcoholic. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm just one drink away from it. So I'll never drink again. Some people do the same thing with their spiritual life. You may have done some terrible things in life and now you receive the grace of God and forgiveness of sins by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you still think that you're like one or two or something sins away from losing your salvation, losing your favor with God, losing these things with God. And then what ends up happening is this result, this line of thinking, the, the ultimate conclusion to this leads to a performance-based relationship with God, which reduces your intimacy with him, or which reduces revelation, which reduces your Bible reading, again, down to a performance. All these things that are meant for godliness and, and good things for us become performance-based checkboxes because you're basically you know, afraid or concerned about losing your favor with God. And so you're going to start being performance-based. Again, these are not scriptural concepts. This is a, you know, a mind game. These are things that Satan wants us to believe as Christians to reduce our level of power and water us down as Christians. And so I want to bring a scripture up that I didn't, I didn't talk about last time, but this is super cool. This is out of 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And I want to point out something to you that if you don't understand this idea of spirit, soul, and body, you would read this scripture and probably just gloss over it. That's what I did. I don't really see how you can interpret this any other way uh, without a correct understanding of spirit, soul, and body. Here's what I mean. All right, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, this is talking about Jesus, so are we in this world. Now, if you look at it in the Greek text, there's no mistaking this. This is not saying because as he is, you know, as Jesus is, so are we going to be in the future. So are we in heaven someday. You know, we're going to be just like Jesus in heaven, which I agree with that. That's a true statement, what I just said. We are going to be like Jesus in heaven. But this verse is not saying as he is, so we will be someday. It says as he is, so are we in this world. And it literally says that that's why we're going to have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. In this world literally means right now, while we're breathing air and living in our physical bodies, spirit, soul, and body, while we're living in this imperfect state that we live in right now. We talked about this last time, the spirit, the soul, and the body. Which one of those was changed when you received Jesus? Well, it wasn't the body. Your body didn't change when you received Jesus. It didn't become a glorified, perfect body. No, your soul didn't change. It had been your mind and your will and your emotions and your understanding and all these things didn't become like instantly perfect. And you understood all things just as Jesus. No, right here it says, so just as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Well, that's referring to the spirit realm. It's referring to the fact that in the spirit, we are exactly the same as Jesus right here, right now. So friend, I want to encourage you. You may have never heard this before. If you're born again, if you've received forgiveness of sins because you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, then right now you are perfectly sinless and spotless and holy in the spirit. Your spirit right now is fully complete. The salvation is done. One third of your salvation is done right now. In a billion years from now, when you're ruling and reigning with Christ in the, you know, in the kingdom and you have your glorified body and glorified mind and everything's perfect. Your spirit then is the exact same spirit that you have right now. 
man, that is something to to jump about, man. I, when I first heard that, I, I thought it was too good to be true. But it says here, you know, so are we in this world. And remember last time we talked about the verse, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 17 says, if anyone is joined unto the Lord, he is one spirit with him, right? If you're joined to God, if you're joined through the blood of Jesus, then you literally are the same spirit as God. You, you have the same spirit. Your spirits are the same. That means God's perfect and holy and amazing spirit is one with your spirit, and so in this spirit, you're perfect. Now, again, I'm not beating a dead horse here for no reason. This is important. This is really, really valuable and fundamental to everything that we're going to be talking about today. So understand that in the spirit, you're absolutely perfect. And so today I want to kind of begin with that topic. I want to, you know, double down on that topic and let's talk about the perfection of our spirit just for a little bit longer. And then the next section that I want to do today uh, has to do with how do we actually receive from God and basically taking this idea of spirit, soul, and body, taking it from the theoretical and let's put it into the practical. And so we talked about this last time a little bit. I'm going to go back into Ephesians chapter four and I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Hey, by the way, if you're new to the podcast, again, thanks for listening, but understand that we we go through the Bible in this thing. And man, I this one especially, I'm going to be pulling a lot of verses out. So if you have your Bible, pull it open. I encourage you to follow along with me. Look this stuff up later. Um, again, a lot of people are driving and you're, you're commuting right now, so you can't, but just listen and I'm going to do my best to read it clearly so you can follow along. I want to look into this perfect law of liberty and I want to get you looking into this perfect law of liberty. And the more I can get you into the word of God, the more my job is complete. That's all my job is, just so you know. My job is to encourage you to get into the Bible and and get these things for yourself. So in Ephesians chapter four, I'm gonna go ahead and start at uh, verse 20 this time. But you have not so learned Christ. Verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, verse 23, and be renewed, in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The new man he's talking about here is that kainos spirit, that brand new, freshly created spirit that you got when you received Jesus into your life. I want to point out that it says it was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Your spirit was created in true righteousness and holiness. Now, there's another verse that I didn't get into last time, and I'm going to, we're going to go there now briefly. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Some of you are thinking, yeah, we were there. Well, hold on. I didn't, I didn't keep reading. So we, we read verse 17 last time, which says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, listen to this. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, when God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I know that's a lot right there, but I encourage you to go through that on your own. Meditate on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. But what I want to put out, point out on the podcast here is that there's so much stuff here we could talk about, but I'm just going to zero in on this last verse. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When it talks about us becoming the righteousness of God, I hope you understand that that's not in the flesh or in the soul. Because I, from experience, right? Your flesh, my flesh. 
not totally righteous, not 100% perfect, not perfectly holy and amazing. We're going to get that new body. Paul talks about that in the epistles. We're going to get a new body, but not right now, not while we're on the earth. And then in the soul realm, our soul isn't perfectly righteous, meaning our mind, our will, emotions, our thoughts, our understanding. Those things aren't perfectly righteous because I still have sinful thoughts. I don't mean to. I'm just, you know, sinful thoughts come into my brain. They come in, you know, because I'm living in this crazy world. Stuff comes in. Then, then it's a choice of what we're going to do with it. And that's a whole nother topic for another podcast. But my mind isn't perfectly righteous and holy and amazing and complete and furnished, you know, the way that it's going to be for all eternity. No, my spirit is, however, my spirit has been made completely righteous. So Jesus was made full of sin so that when he died and rose again, he could provide that brand new spirit. Okay, so this is all building to something, right? I'm building up your understanding of what is so awesome about the spirit. Our spirit is perfect and sinless and spotless and holy and wonderful. Now, I want to show you something else about the spirit that is absolutely amazing. So we're going to talk here in a few minutes about how your spirit actually has the power of God in it. Okay. I want you to know something that it's up to us to take those powerful things and the truth and the holiness that are in the spirit. And it's our job to actually manifest it in the natural. The life and the power are in our spirit. This is how, remember back in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says we are God's reconciling the world to himself. We are ambassadors for Christ. This is how you do it. You don't become an ambassador for Christ just because you want to or because you think it's a nice thing to do and so you go out and you preach the gospel. Those are the mechanics of how, you know, you, you do go out and preach the gospel, but how do you do it? You do it from a place of power. And where does that power come from? Does it just come down from heaven supernaturally when you're not paying attention? Technically, it comes through your spirit. For, remember, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. And so what I want to encourage you with is that the power and the anointing and the glory that God has put into your spirit it's actually our job to learn how to manifest that on the outside. So that's where we're going with this, all right? So if that went over your head, hang tight. We're going to read some more scripture, and I think you're going to see this. I want to read out of Romans chapter 6 now. So go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to show you how important it is that we take responsibility for understanding who we are in the spirit. This isn't optional, all right? And I'm not saying that you're not going to go to heaven or something like that if you don't walk this way. No, there's so many people, uh, unfortunately, there's so many people that get saved, what I call saved and stuck. Here's my message for the day. Don't get saved and stuck. Don't receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Receive the gift of salvation and a brand new spirit, sinless, spotless, holy, full of power, and then sit on it. Don't do that, please. We have enough of that going on and, and I'm really, it's, it's unfortunate. And again, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to speak the truth and love to you. Hey, if you're born again, you have got all the life and the power and the anointing that you could ever ask for in the spirit realm, in your spirit. And it's your job and my job to learn how that thing works and how to manifest it on the outside. If you're not seeing miracles today, if you're not seeing Bible results today, I'm going to just tell it to you straight. It's not that God's sitting up there folding his arms, not giving you the chance that you deserve or giving you the opportunity or giving you your healing or raining down finances on you or all that stuff. It's not that. You have the life and the power, the healing power, the anointing, the glory, the happiness, the joy, the peace. Everything that you could ever need in your life is in your spirit right now. And it's up to you and me to learn how it works and to renew our minds to get that thing out into the natural realm. I know that is a massive statement, what I just said. 
most people think that if there's going to be any type of miraculous or powerful manifestation in your life, in your external circumstances, it's just going to have to come down from God, come down as a shower of blessing or something, right? Well, I'm going to show you today from scripture that the shower of blessing has already been turned on. That shower got turned on 2000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, went down to hell, took your sinful nature and all of sin down there to hell, left it there, rose again, and you and I are baptized and brought into his family with new life. So that's when the shower blessing was turned on. The rest of our lives is learning how to manifest this thing on the outside. So friend, I'm going to just encourage you. I know somebody needs this right now because this is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> this isn't in my notes. But if you need healing, you need to quit asking for it. I know that we that might sound awkward to you because I know the Bible does talk about keep asking, seeking, knocking. I, I recognize that. But I'm speaking to someone who right now you are... You're needing healing, you're needing finances, you're needing something in your life, and you're just sitting here waiting for God to do something. And I'm here to tell you, have you thought that it, he might be waiting on you? He might be waiting on you to recognize what he has deposited on the inside of you, the power and the life and the goodness in your spirit, and he's waiting on you to engage with him. I'm not trying to put all the pressure on you and make it feel like it's a performance thing. That's totally not what this is about. This is about God is the kind of person who gives his children something and he expects us to invest, right? He invects and expects us to multiply and to do something with those things and those talents and those gifts and abilities he's given us. That's not just talking about you know how to play a guitar and you got to learn, you know, you know, sing on the worship band. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about he's given you all the life and the power and the glory of God in the spirit realm. For he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You guys have the same spirit. You and God have the same power and anointing in the spirit. But it's up to you to learn how to operate in that. It's up to you to look into that perfect law of liberty and pull that thing out, pull that power out into your natural realm, and then you'll see it. So we're going to talk about this, right? That's a preview. That's, again, my physics-minded. I like to know how, how does it work? What's the mechanics, right? We're going to back up for a minute and go to Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read Romans chapter 6. Um, I'm going to read several verses here. I'll make a few comments, but I really want you to track with me on Romans chapter 6. This is such a powerful passage and I could do, oh my gosh, we could just do so many podcasts just on Romans chapter six. Again, I want to make a point here that it is our job to take responsibility for viewing ourselves and viewing our identity in the light of the word of God. And when we, when we have that clear lens to see who we are in the spirit by the word of God, then we're going to be able to see clearly to manifest it in our outward world. All right, cool. So I'm going to read uh, Romans chapter 6, and let's start with verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Pause. If you died to sin, friend, it's not in your spirit anymore, right? If you are if you died to it. Died means you're done. You're dead. All right. Point. <laughs> I just want to make that point. Verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That word newness in the Greek is kainates. It actually is from the word kainos. Again, talking about brand new. So this is talking about the spirit. This is talking about living a life from the things of the spirit. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, verse 5, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Pause. If you've died 
then you've been freed from sin. I just want to point that out. If you've died, uh, meaning your spirit has been murdered on the cross of Christ, if you've accepted him, then that spirit that you have is completely sinless. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I really want to hone in on that verse, verse 11. It talks about likewise you also. That word likewise connects us to the verse prior, right? So it's talking about Jesus dying to sin once and for all and living a new life, living it to God. Likewise, I mean, you know, in the same way as Jesus, also you need to reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so that word reckon in the Greek is this really interesting word logizomai, right? Logizomai. And it carries this idea of Again, I've studied it out and I'm just going to put a summary, kind of a paraphrase what this Greek word means in this context. It really means this. It means to mentally come into alignment with the true facts. All right, I'll say that again. To mentally come into alignment with the true facts. So when it says reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, he's, what Paul's really saying to us is in your mind, in your, in your soul realm, you need to really, really, really come into alignment with what the facts are. Don't go by what you're seeing. Don't go by what you're hearing. Don't go by what you're feeling, but go by what the word says. You need to mentally come into alignment with the facts that we're saying here. The facts that when Jesus died, he died once for all. When you died, you died once for all to sin. Your spirit, therefore, has no more sin in it. All right? But alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's what I really want you to to get out of this. It's so important that, that you and I reckon ourselves. You notice it says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead. It doesn't say, likewise, God's going to reckon it for you. Or you need to sit back and let God change your mind on this. Your job is to reckon yourself, logizomai, come into alignment with the facts of God's word concerning your spirit, right? That's your job and my job. And it says, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. So you see that the, the natural output of this thing is, look, you're reckoning or you're logizomying. That's a fun word. <laughs> logizomying. Oh boy. <laughs> Yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God, right? So, so what's the natural response? Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. In other words, he's saying, look, you can sin, but don't do it. He's saying, even if you do sin, it's not going to penetrate your spirit. Your spirit is still sinless. You can still, as a Christian, sin commit acts of sin and it doesn't penetrate your spirit. This is such a big thing. And I'm not sure why this is a big thing in the body of Christ, but if you read the scripture, it's super clear. Now notice again that Paul is always answering this question. If you read through the epistles, Romans and Ephesians and all these other areas, he says things like that. He's like, what, you know, he's like, what does, does what I'm saying mean that you can just sin all you want? Like he, he's expecting that response from his listeners because of what he's saying. Basically, he's, he's preaching such a radical version of grace that it's actually offensive to, to hearers today, just as it was in his, his day. Because he's saying these things, and basically these people are listening to him and saying, are you saying that we can sin and it's not going to affect our spiritual standing with God? And he's like, 
Yes, I'm, I'm saying that. Yes, I'm actually saying that. However, and again, go back to, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Go back to uh, chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's answering this question because he's basically saying that there's so much grace that your sin doesn't even matter anymore. And that's the same thing with you and me. I know that's a weird, kind of a weird concept that, yeah, you can actually commit sin um, and it doesn't penetrate your spirit. Now, this is the point I'm making. Look, he says, therefore, do not let sin. So he's saying, even though you can and your, your spirit is perfect and it's completely died, your spirit has completely died to sin and you have a new life now, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. And watch this. I'm going to read to you exactly why that's so important. And even though you can commit a sin and have it not penetrate your spirit and lose your, lose your salvation, truly is what we're talking about here. There's reasons why you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't sin. You shouldn't let sin reign in your mortal body. Verse 12, that you should obey it in its, in its lusts. I'm going to skip down here to uh, verse 16 because of time. It says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So that's the bottom line here, right? Like if you're going to, you know, say, take what I'm saying or take what the scripture is saying and come out and try to make this, this argument that, yeah, you know, I can, I can do this or I can, I can drink and smoke and do things that are, that are wrong, you know, and I can, I can act sinful or I can commit sin or, you know, pick, pick your favorite sin, right? I don't know, pick something and you can totally justify it. I think in scripture, you can say, Hey, you know what? I'm under the grace of God. I can still sin. I agree that you can make that argument. However, <laughs> what does the scripture say? The scripture says, hey man, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves as a servant to obey, you're that one's servant or slave whom you obey, right? So verse 16 is what I just read there. And it basically says, look, if you're going to sin, if you're going to willingly step into this stuff because you, you know, you're living on the grace of God and you're so high and mighty in the grace of God. Okay, see how far that gets you. You're going to open the door to Satan because it literally says you're that one's slaves to whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death. If you're a slave of sin, guess what you're going to get? Death. You're going to get a mess. So if you, as a Christian, if you open up the door to Satan, you're going to let demonic forces come in. You're going to open up your body to sickness. You're going to open up your finances to destruction and poverty. I mean, living in sin is not a good plan. Shouldn't do it. Don't do it. And I believe that's actually a reason why so many people are in the mess that they're in is because they have this idea of, of grace and sin and all this. And they're like, well, you know, I can, I can do this or I can do that. Well, yeah, you can. I mean, Paul said, hey, all things are permissible for me, but not all things are expedient, right? Like you can do stuff, but you shouldn't because you're opening the door to Satan. That's a big deal. I really want to point that out. I think that's a really big deal that your spirit is absolutely perfect and amazing and awesome and, and spotless and holy, you know, because of the scriptures that we've been reading this whole time. And if you were, you know, to commit a sin or do something wrong, uh, you need to get over it, right? You need to get over it. You need to repent. You need to ask for forgiveness and receive the forgiveness from God. And he gives it to you fully and freely. And you need to be washed with that thing and move on. You don't need to get born again, again. You don't need to go down the alt, don't go down to the altar at church and cry your eyes out and ask Jesus to come into your heart again. Okay. That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything, right? He talks about if you were buried with him through baptism, then you're there. Like just as Christ was raised from the dead in the same way you're raised from the dead, you don't need to die more than once, right? In that respect. I'm encouraging you and I hope I'm empowering you right now to look at things differently and say, man, my spirit is awesome. And I want you to experience freedom and stuff because Satan wants you to be in shame and in guilt over your sin or your mistakes. Okay. So again, just repent, repent to the Lord about it. 
which means turn the other way, stop doing that thing, stop opening the door to Satan and move on with your life. Again, I think that the high level view of all this, the point I'm trying to make at the bottom line here is that you and I have control over how we use this freedom. All right. We have perfect freedom. We have perfect holiness and righteousness in the spirit. And I'm saying, how are you going to use that? You can yield yourself to sin and that leads to death, or you can yield yourself to obedience, which leads to righteousness. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you want to be setting yourself up for success and of obedience leading to righteousness. But the mechanics of this thing are such that if you open yourself up to sin, you didn't lose your salvation, but you are definitely opening yourself up to Satan and all these demonic forces. Now, I know someone's thinking right now, or someone's going to email me and complain and say, well, Justin, you know, are you saying that, you know, once saved, always saved? Well, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of am saying that. But again, you can actually go back. We did talk about this at, at length on the behind the scenes episode with Eric and Justin for season three, I believe it was. I believe it was the beginning of, of season three that we did a behind the scenes. And the, the question came up, we were taking questions from listeners. The question was, can a Christian commit the unpardonable sin or the unforgivable sin? And basically, yeah, the answer is yes. And we talked about that. And long story short, there are actually several stipulations in scripture that a Christian can lose their salvation. That's actually a reality. But I'll sum this up to say, if you're concerned about that, or if, you, if you're afraid of that, or you don't want that to happen, then you're okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you're so far out there where you don't even care that you lose your salvation, then you're, you're in a place to be concerned. All right. You, chances are is that you haven't fulfilled all of the requirements in Hebrews chapter six that are required stipulations for someone, someone who was a, who is a Christian to lose their salvation. So I'm just going to say that I don't want to hijack this thing, but I want to encourage you that uh, your spirit is, is absolutely perfect. It's sealed by the power of God. And even though you commit a sin, uh, it doesn't actually penetrate your spirit. Okay. So where does that put us, right? So now we we have this command in Romans chapter six to, to reckon ourselves as dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. So to me, I'm like, I read that. I'm like, okay, reckon myself dead to sin. Okay. I can see that. Like I need to understand that I'm no longer under sin. I need to understand that my spirit is saved. And you know, what does that mean? Right. And so that led me to asking the, the question about the second part of the verse. Well, what does it mean for me to reckon myself alive to God in Christ? Really, what this journey took me on is in scripture, it came out to be this thing where it's more than just reckoning or, you know, coming into mental alignment with the facts of God's word that I'm pure and righteous and holy in the spirit. That is one part, but there's a whole separate part here that has to do with spiritual maturity, growth, and walking in power. And so I want to share some of those things with you today in the time that we have left. And I want to share with you basically that your spirit, you can think of as the internal part of you, right? We've talked about this. So you can just kind of imagine a circle or a target. This is a good way to think about it, I think. So imagine a target. So you have a circle inside of a circle, inside of another circle. So you have three concentric circles, okay? Imagine the very middle one is your spirit. The next circle out, which is, you know, the middle circle is inside the second circle. The second circle out would be your soul. And then the biggest outward most circle is your body. And so you have a, a big circle of your body. You have a smaller circle inside of that, and that's called your soul. And then in the very, very middle, you have a, a little circle called your spirit. 
if you can imagine that with me, track with me on this, this picture. Your spirit, as we've talked about, you can't contact your spirit directly through your body, right? You can't, you can't you know, touch a spirit or anything of that nature, but you can kind of get there with your soul. What, what do I mean by that? When you engage your soul or your mind, your will and your emotions with reading the word of God and allowing revelation to come to your soul, you know, renewing your mind to the word of God, that opens up the door for the things of the spirit to come through. And then when you open the door from the spirit to the soul, right, then that life and that power and that purity and that holiness comes out of your spirit and it makes contact with your soul, which can then make contact with your body. Here's an example. When I first, and you've heard me tell this story before, maybe on another podcast, but I'll do it again. When I first learned about healing, physical healing for my body, I was absolutely stunned. Honestly, my upbringing and everything, I just... We just didn't believe it the same way. We we believe God could heal and did heal today, you know, and we pray to God and we believe that he's a good God, but we didn't expect to see healing, you know, the same way that I do now. I expect to see healing in my own body every single time, 100%, no question at all. I, I don't even, I don't doubt it. I don't even wonder. If I have something come on me, I, I believe that I'm healed. You know, I, I get healed of the thing instantly. And, and that hap- that's what's been happening. Again, I've been, this is over 10 years of experience walking in this and I have not been sick in over 10 years. I have physically been run down because I've been pushing too hard. And that's just a wisdom thing. But as far as sickness coming on me or disease coming on me, I've had things try to take me out before, but I rebuke it and I walk in faith and I do things and I'm going to share some of those things with you. And using these concepts of understanding that my body is being attacked, but in the spirit realm, I have all the life and the power of God. I get my, my soul in line with what the things of the spirit, with, with the things of the spirit through the word of God. And then that creates an open floodgate for the things of the spirit to come out into my body. And again, I'm going to show you scripture on this. If that sounds way out there, then hold on, just, just hang tight. We're going to get there. But that, that's an example for me is, you know, I got my mind kind of wrapped around this idea of, wow, you know, God wants to heal me. Wow, that's amazing. Wow, God does heal. Or really the big step for me was like, wow, wait a minute. God put the power in my spirit. He's already deposited that stuff in me and it's up to me to release it. You know, like I was like, what, what are you talking about? This is crazy. I had been like stewing on this and meditating on this, this concept for, for quite some time. And I got sick. All right. So I'm working and I'm like, I'm super sick. It was a flu or something. And I had to keep working because I was poor and I just couldn't afford to take a day off. And it was terrible. And so I'm working away, like lifting heavy boxes and I'm sick and it was the worst. And all this time I'd been like meditating on this. And I, I got to the point where I really believed it was true. I was like, okay, you know what? The life and the power of God is in me. And yet I wasn't seeing anything happen. And so I remember one day I went out to my car to take a nap, you know, cause I was exhausted and I opened up my Bible. All I knew at that point, I didn't know anything that else. All the stuff I'm sharing with you today, it's taken me 10 years to figure out how to say this. You know, I didn't know any of this stuff. All I knew was that if I read the Bible, I believe God's word, I stand on God's word, and I just continually fill my mind with God's word, I'm going to see the power of God manifest on my behalf, right? So I just was in the word as much as I could to soak it up. And then something happened. I read Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And something happened. I saw that verse in a new light and I just got it. I said, Hey, that's it. You know? And so what happened was my soul totally just instantly came into alignment 
with God's word, right? I reckoned I had a logizomai moment where I had an absolute 100% alignment in my soul with the things of the spirit. And I said, whoa, this is for me. And something, it just jumped off the page. I had revelation, whatever you want to call it. It just, it just hit me. And guess what? Boom, snap. Instantly, my body was healed. And I mean, I went from a, you know, 20% energy level and sniffing and coughing to 100% in a, in a, in a moment absolutely perfectly healed. I, w- I worked the rest of the day. Everyone else was wondering what was going on. I was telling them that God healed me, you know, and they, they were saying, okay, you know, whatever. But I seriously, I mean, I had manifestation instantly. It was awesome. And that was really when this idea of healing and this whole concept of spirit, soul, and body really, really took root for me it was that day many years ago. And I'm going to read this verse again to you so you can get it. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, well, does the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you? Are you are you born again? Do you have the Holy Spirit living in you? If so, say amen, right? Come on. And then it says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Hey, man, that's pretty cool. And so the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Well, if that's the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that spirit has a lot of power, right? Like raising from the dead power is kind of a big deal. But here we have scripture that says the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. And so that means that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, which is the biggest power ever, resides in me. Think about it. Wait a minute. (laughs) That power resides in me. That's in me. That's inside me. He dwells in me. He dwells with me. He dwells in me. Not only that, but it says he will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You see, look at this. He says who dwells in you, who dwells in you right? And it says, who raised Christ from the dead, who raised Christ from the dead. In the Oriental mind or the Eastern mindset, of course, remember that the Bible is written to Easterners. It's an Eastern book. It's not a Western book like we think of it is. It's an Eastern book. In the Eastern mindset, if you repeat something, it's not an accident, man. You are, you are really, really hammering this thing home. That's why when Jesus said things like, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, his listeners didn't think that was a cute catchphrase. They zoned in. They said, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus repeated a word. He said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I need to listen to this. If, he's, if he repeats something, that means I absolutely must listen to this. You remember Joseph back in the day, he said something to Pharaoh. He said, Pharaoh, this, the dream that God gave you is established. He gave it to you twice. You know, he gave you the same dream twice. That means it's established by God. When God says something twice, we better pay attention. When he says something once, it is to be believed right? We, we need to believe it when God says it. But if he says it twice, man, we better take that thing to the bank. We really need to hone in on it. Which is, again, by the way, one of the reasons I'm trying to use multiple scriptures here to show you these points. I'm not just making this stuff up. I want to try to get, you know, the, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? Let everything be established. Okay, so here we have this thing where he says, spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, raised from the dead twice, dwells in you, dwells in you. This is not a mistake. This is something that he really, really, really wants us to get. And I want to show you something really incredible. Again, hey, I told you we were going to go through a lot of scripture. Just keep up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I need you to keep up with me. Ephesians chapter 3. Again, we're, we're talking about the power that's in you and we're making it practical. Listen to this. This is Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. I'm going to read it the way that most people read this and then I'll read it the way that it's actually written. All right. So see if you can tell the difference. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's where most people stop because we like talking about how, hey, 
how God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Oh, praise God, he can do all things, but he will do nothing, right? That's what a lot of people think. He can do everything, but he doesn't do much. No, no, no. Let's read this entire verse. I'll read it the normal way. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The reason that we need to not stop right there, <laughs> exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Look at this. It's because this thing is according to the power that works in us. Notice that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. If you don't have an understanding of the power that's working within you, you're not going to see much on the outside. Here's another verse that Here's another verse that I think makes this concept really clear. This is out of Philemon chapter one. Well, there's only one chapter in Philemon. <laughs> and in the King James, it says, you know, I pray that the, sh- that the communication of your faith may become effectual or uh, the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. This doesn't just mean sharing your faith like telling someone else about Jesus. This literally means the communication of your faith or it means the actual, the action of your faith, the physical manifestation of your faith. In other words, it's saying the physical results of your faith, that which can be seen. This isn't t- saying the communication of your faith like go go tell someone you're, you're a Christian. No, this is in the Eastern mind, right? The Eastern mind says, you show me what you're saying, basically. Don't just give me words, but give me pictures. Give me an example. Show me what's going on. Don't just talk about it. You know, don't just talk the talk, but I need you to walk the walk. This is literally saying, hey, that your faith would walk the walk. This is the kind of faith we're talking about, that your faith may become effectual or effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing, which is in you, in Christ Jesus. Hey, now he's telling us that our faith is made effectual or our faith is made manifest or the faith that we have that actually brings results comes, it's made effectual, it's made operational by what? By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. And so now we have a connection between faith and results and what's inside of us, All right? I hope you're staying with me on this. Remember that your spirit is in the middle. It's absolutely perfect and amazing. The middle circle that's between the two, larger outer circle and the little inner circle, that middle circle is the soul, the mind, will, emotions, and actually your heart, what talks about in the, your heart, which we're going to get into in a moment, and then your body. So you want to see these miraculous things happen on the outside, you need to get your soul in line with your spirit. I like to think about it this way, that your soul is like a filter, right? And let's, let's come up with a new analogy. Think of a pipe. Think of, you know, airflow or something through a pipe. And you have got your spirit is just blasting the power and, uh, and life and healing of God through this pipe at light speed. I mean, it is just blasting through this thing. But your soul is the valve on the pipe or a filter, if you will, on the pipe. And when your soul, when your mind, will and emotions and your heart and all these things are, are turned off to the things of the spirit, meaning if you're not meditating on the word of God, if you're not looking at yourself in that perfect law of liberty, but if you're basing everything in your life off external circumstances, that valve or that filter is closed to the things of the spirit. So then you have all that amazing stuff that's in the spirit over there, but it's contained in the spirit. It's not bleeding out or it's not shooting out or it's not manifesting out through your soul and into your body. So you may wonder why you're not healed as an example, right? Well, my question to you is, 
What are you reading? What are you watching on TV? What are the things that you're steeping your mind in? What direction is your soul right now? You might be saying the right things. You might be confessing the right things over your body or this, that, and the other, but where is your soul? Where honestly are you, is your heart at? And we're going to talk about this in just a second about, you know, mixing your faith with mixing the word of God with faith. You know, are you looking at what the doctors are saying and are you doing all the research online and well, what, what, what kind of sickness and what's the life expectancy and all this stuff? And you're, you're filling your mind with that stuff. If you do that, that's turning off the valve. That's clouding up your soul from the things of the spirit. And you're not able to see those things from the spirit come out. It's nothing personal. It's not that God's not healing you because he doesn't want to. He, he did the work on the cross 2000 years ago. He made it so that you could be healed. You could walk in healing and wholeness and, and, and faith and all these wonderful things. He's put it in the spirit. Now do you see why this is such a foundational teaching, why this is something I've wanted to teach on since day one of the podcast? This is foundational, fundamental, tremendous insight into how things work. Everything that you could ever need for your Christian life is in your spirit. It's just a matter of renewing your mind. Now, I've mentioned that multiple times. Here we go. Let's read Romans chapter 12. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. This is chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world. When you go into the mold, right, and and you get squished, don't let that mold or that imprint be that of the world. Don't let the world squish you. Don't let the world leave its imprint on you. Don't let the world's systems, the way the world's way of thinking, don't let that mark you. Don't let that define you. Don't let that become who you are. In other words, don't renew your mind to the things of the world. Don't be so focused in mentally on the things of the world that you allow that to seep into your identity or who you are, your heart, you know, or, or your mindset. And so many people just are watching TV and I'm not, I'm not saying TV is wrong. What I am saying though is wrong is steeping yourself in the world system. If you're watching violence on TV and you're watching, you know, sexual adultery and stuff on TV and you're normalizing that, I'm telling you right now, you are not going to have the same degree of effectiveness as I am. Okay. I'm just being blunt. When I'm keeping myself from those things and I'm allowing the power and the life and the glory of the spirit come out through my soul and manifest in my circumstances. Again, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to encourage you and empower you right now. You know, if you're steeping your mind and your your soul and your emotions and all these things on the stuff that the world watches and the stuff that the world reads and the way that the world thinks about all sorts of social issues and things, if your thinking is more in line with how the world thinks, you're going to have a really hard time getting the things of the spirit out because the things of the spirit are different. They're opposite. They're right side up and the world is upside down. You know, as a citizen of heaven, you have a a pipe, think of it like a golden pipe from heaven, flowing gold, flowing purity, flowing, you know, with power and anointing to change your world, to change your sphere of influence around you and to leave a mark on people. But if you're looking at the same things they're looking at and you're talking about the same things they're talking about and you're just as steeped in the world as everyone else is, your unsaved neighbors are, not very much of that power of the spirit's going to come out, if at all. I'm absolutely serious. And again, I don't want to make you feel bad. I'm just showing you scripture. Do not be conformed to this world. But what do we do? Okay, don't be conformed. What do we do? It says we be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh man, 
Okay, with the time we have left, let's break those words down. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word transformed in the Greek is metamorpho, metamorpho. And you may recognize that word from, you know, high school science class where you have a... Uh, a caterpillar that goes through metamorphosis, right? Caterpillar into a cocoon or chrysalis, and then it comes out as a butterfly. Totally new, totally different, beautiful. The thing can fly where before the caterpillar could only crawl and chew on leaves. Man, now we've got a butterfly with beautiful colors and it can, you know, it's been changed. It's been transformed. So this is what we want, right? We want transformation. You know, if you want transformation in your life, it's not going to come through just sitting there and praying for it. I'm sorry. Again, I'm man, I'm I know I'm killing some sacred cows here, but transformation in your life doesn't come from just getting on your knees and asking God to change everything in your circumstances. Praying is awesome and we do need to pray and we do need to tell God our needs. Of course we do. But how many times have you been praying for the same thing and the Holy Spirit would speak to your heart? I, I bet if you're honest with yourself and don't kid yourself, I bet you might even agree with this that the Holy Spirit would speak to your heart and say, "What are you going to do about this?" Like you're asking me for all this stuff, but I'm empowering you. I've given you my word. I've given you the scriptures, you know, I've given you the ability to do all these things. Why don't you do something with what I've given you? I know personally God's spoken to that to me many times. And so I'm not, I'm not telling you anything that I haven't personally been walking through myself, you know, many times, you know, I'll ask the Lord, Oh Lord, I need help with this. Like what's going on here? You know, you got to do something about this. And he's like, Justin, I've given you everything that you need. I'm asking you to step out in faith and trust me. You see, God's, God's the ultimate source of power. I'm not saying that we're going to make anything happen in our own strength. I'm not saying that we're even going to twist God's arm. What I'm saying is that it's our job to engage with the process, to engage with what God's doing. And he's asking us to trust him in faith. He's asking us to engage with him. And so when we step out and we align ourselves, we logizomai, remember, we reckon ourselves, we come into alignment with God's word, then his power, his anointing can flow through us. All that power and anointing that's in your spirit, you didn't drum it up. There's nothing you can do. That's from the blood of Jesus. But you can control and I can control how my soul valve or my soul filter aligns with that. I can turn that valve on or I can turn that valve off based on renewing my mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word renewing, of course, has to do with what? Kainos. Remember, renewing of your mind. Anachinosis. Anakinosis is the Greek word. And it has to do, again, with kainos, brand new, fresh. So the reason that this word renewing is in connection uh, with, with the word mind, which is new or nous, that, that literally is talking about your, your actual mind, your understanding, right? This is the part of you that thinks and understands things. Be transformed by the renewing and anakinosis, kinosis of your mind. This is literally talking about you trading in the old under way of thinking, the old understanding, and getting a brand new spiritual understanding. This is alignment with the things of the spirit. Because remember that word, kinosis, is connected intricately with the spirit and with the newness of your spirit. And so we're almost out of time. I just want to wrap up this thing real quickly that we talked today about your spirit being sinless, you know, absolutely spotless and holy by the blood of Jesus. You and I have to reckon or logizomai this thing we have to reckon our spirits to be dead, dead to the sin and alive to Christ. It's our job to reckon. It's our job to recognize and to realize the truth of God's word in our spirits. Okay. It's not God's job. It's not the Holy Spirit's job. It's our job. It's your job. And it's my job to reckon our own identity. And from that place of identity, we come to this understanding that we, you know, we don't want to, we don't need to get saved and stuck. 
And we don't have to walk in sin and shame and guilt over the things that we do. We can walk in power and anointing and authority. When we sin and we do something wrong, we need we can get over it. We can repent and we can move on. I want to tell you something, friend. Jesus isn't still on the cross. Okay, it might surprise you to know that, man. He's on the throne. You don't have to go back to the cross every time you sin. He's not there. He's on the throne. Man, he wants us walking in victory. He wants us walking in anointing and in power. This isn't to be taken out of context, right? Like we're not going to go out and conquer everybody around us because we're so uh, aggressive or we're so, you know, we're so arrogant. But God wants his people to be partners, to be walking with him in partnership. He wants to grow us up into the, the potential that he has for us. You know, your spirit is full of the life and the power of Christ. And it's up to you and me to access that power through renewing our minds to the word of God. And I believe you're going to see that. This has just been an overview. And I believe you're going to see these things as you study the scriptures for yourself. And you're going to start seeing these patterns and these things come up even in the Old Testament about, you know, David um, doing things with his soul. He's telling his soul what to do. <laughs> oh, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, why are you so disquieted within me? You know, like he talks to his soul. That's something you can do. You can tell your soul what to do. Sometimes I have to do that. You know, I recently did that. I was feeling down in the dumps and I said, soul, you get in line with the word of God, you know, and then you start quoting scripture. It's like, man, I'm, I'm full of the life and the power of God and I'm not conformed to this world. I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind and I'm proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He that has joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him and all these things. And like, uh, you know, I just, I just quote these scriptures to myself to strengthen myself in the Lord. And guess what? I open myself up to the things of the spirit in the word of God and the life and the power and happiness and joy and peace and power start flooding in. And then, you know, mentally, emotionally, I start feeling better. I get more clarity. I get more focus. I'm able to, you know, walk in the spirit and do things that, that I wouldn't normally do. And so I just want to encourage you that hopefully this has been helpful to you um, to see things from a different perspective that you don't need to be saved and stuck. You know, just because you have circumstances right now that might be challenging or crushing in on you, I encourage you, you're not stuck, you're not done, you're not out of this thing yet. Get into the word of God, renew your mind to what God has for you and what he's saying to you through the scriptures. Who does he say you can be? What does he say about you when it comes to sickness and disease? What does he say to you right now when it comes to peace, prosperity, health, wholeness, relationships? Find out what he says about you in the word. Look into that perfect law of liberty and then align your mind to it. Align your spirit to it. And you'll see that power coming out. So hopefully that was helpful. You can tell I'm passionate about this subject and I just really want you to get it. I want you to be walking in that, in this understanding of spirit, soul, and body that you have already got it in your spirit. You've already got the things that God has for you and we just need to learn how to walk it out. I also want to encourage you, you know what, if you're having trouble hearing God's voice or you just want to learn more about hearing God's voice, you know, and all this stuff, we have a book, you know, it's called Face to Face, an 18-day journey of hearing God's voice as his friend. It's on Amazon. I have it on Kindle, paperback, and we're actually going to have an audio book out pretty soon. So I encourage you to pick that up. If you don't have a copy, pick one up today. If you do have a copy, pick one up for a friend. You know, I've heard so many things about how it's really encouraging people. And I actually had a woman come to me and say that she hadn't heard God's voice in years and years, possibly ever. But as she was reading this book face to face, she began hearing God's voice. And now she's walking in this vibrant relationship with the Lord. And so I want to encourage you. This is a really helpful resource. So pick it up today. Also, don't forget to leave a review for the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Again, that really helps more people be able to see it and to get exposure to the word of God. So that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you on the next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, 
visit us at unstoppableblog.net. You can also find us on Facebook at Unstoppable Blog. We hope this podcast has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.